welcome to episode 18 of the Butts in the Seats podcast. It's It's been a while. It has been a minute since we sat down behind the microphones and actually talked about wrestling. It's been, it's been clo- less time for listeners. It's been close to a month in terms of us actually recording, because we were last thing we recorded was WrestleMania 37. Yeah. And that that happened on April 11th? It was Early right April. after WrestleMania. Well, I'm, I'm talking about when did WrestleMania happen. But this is uncensored, 1999. We finally got here. I know the last episode came out mid-April, so a little bit of, about a month. So we looked back at our notes. Prior to sitting down and watching this, the last time we watched WCW television was March 14th. It, today, recording, it is May 6th. Yeah, so last time we watched WCW, it was on the WWE Network. Yeah, it was still on the network, because we thought that we were going to lose the whole network. Well, we kind of did. Not really. Well, we had to find other sources to watch Nitro, which we can do. We actually downloaded something for Uncensored, and then it ended up on the network. And then there was a whole oh, sorry, lot on of... Peacock. I need to... Right, not on the network. And then we had a whole lot of personal life stuff happening. If anything sounds differently, it's because we're in a new apartment. We moved at the beginning of May. Yes. And we are still staring at boxes, so... But I won't yeah. have to edit out as many dogs barking out. Oh, thank God. It may be more sirens. We are now on the 14th floor, so any open noise will travel up, but it might die on its way up, so... You know, give and take. Yeah, so there, there is construction, and we still live in a city, so obviously there's sirens, but it shouldn't be as intrusive as a dog barking 10 feet away from our building. I think we managed to edit out most of the dog barking, except for uh, Enter Sadman during the East W episode. Oh, really? Did he, did he peek through there? I think so. <laughs> Fuck that dog. I love dogs so much, and it pained me to complain about this dog, because he was cute. But he was just so, it was so poorly trained. It was such, it was such a, like, potential to be a great dog, but the owners just didn't give a shit about training him, and it hurt my heart. This poor dog. And then they got a second dog, and the second dog was a howly hound. Well, this isn't going to go well. And I think once I got the second dog, and the second dog moved in full time, because I think they were fostering it at first. Once the second dog moved in full time, we we're like, "Oh, we cannot be here. Yeah, this and then, can't happen." And then our neighbors moved out too. Yeah, I think our whole building is like kind of vacating. Our poor landlady at the old place; she's got to fill a whole building. Oops. So, so it's been a while. Let's see if we still know how to do this. This is uncensored, nineteen ninety nine, live from Freedom Hall in Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. On March 14th, 1999. Which is appropriate because the last time we watched Uncensored, the last bit of build we watched was on March 14th, 2021. Okay. It's been a little while. Let's see how you do in our usual game. Oh, I know I'm going to be bad at this. I actually meant to look this up to cheat and I just forgot to. How dare you? Well, like I, like you said, it's been a while. I don't remember what the metrics were for the last one. Well, I usually give you them. Do you? Yeah. It's been that long you've forgotten. Oh, God. <laughs> So Uncensored 1998 did 415,000 buys. The last two pay-per-views we did in the timeline did 330,000 buys and then 485,000 buys, which I might have noted and I may have cut, I'm not sure which one. Super Brawl at 485,000 buys is like the second or third most pay-per-view buys in the history of WCW. Oh, damn. And you did say that was the last high they ever had. Yes. 
I mean, I'm, granted, it was like the second or third highest, so I mean, there's yeah. that. So I'm going to say that this got 400,000 buys. Lower. Haha. <laughs> 350? 325. Oh, shit. And uh, remember how last month I said it's the best they'll ever do? Yeah. This is the best they'll they'll ever do going forward. <laughs> oh, so it's just a constant decline from here. And next month is the best they'll ever do going forward again. Yikes. After that, it, it'll up and down a little bit. But um, I've said it a lot of times, it feels like, but it's starting. Yeah, you've said that since the beginning of this podcast. Since episode one, you're like, the decline is starting. I'm like, what's the point of this podcast then? I it's all it the build. No, we didn't want the rise. We just wanted the, the build fall. to the decline. If we were at rise and fall DVD, it'd be like, no, we're doing the last thirty minutes. So this is our first episode on the Peacock. Peacock. Overall, it's a fine interface. It's nice on Apple TV that you can actually like scroll. Yeah, we've been swapping in between doing it on the Xbox and the Apple TV. And watching this when we watched on the Xbox, and I think it's just the remote that we have for our Xbox, it sucks. I think it's a bit of both. I think people don't don't remember having a problem. I think people don't care as much about the interface in terms of like connectivity and how it's going to be received on game consoles because they're less commonly used. Which is weird because, like, before I started dating you, all I was using was my game console. My last boyfriend only ever used his game console to watch streaming TV. You only watch streaming off your game consoles like why is that so uncommon people some people don't don't game yeah but most people i know have some kind of console your parents don't my parents don't my parents are in their 50s tell me your dad's not logging on a cod each night no <laughs> i wasn't no. allowed yeah one v one me console. bro i had to write a persuasive Mom essay. one v one death match i had Let's to write it. a persuasive essay to my parents to let me have a game boy color and they said no. I wrote a 500-word essay to get a Game Boy, and they said no. So you're complaining. I'm now making sure everything I said was Call of Duty. I could not give less of a shit. All right. Let, let, let's do it. Me let's and, call in. Me and, me and you, Halo, Shoddy Snipes, Zanzibar. Let's do it. Do you have the old man's car? I walked in that one, didn't I? <laughs> I got a jazz guitar. I got a tab at Oh, sorry. It, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be Zanzibar. It'd be fucking Lockout. Oh, I don't know. Lockout. Halo 2, Lockout, in the snow. 1v1. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. We've played Halo. (laughs) Yes, and uh, one of us is better at Halo than the other I mean, yes, but that was one of the game series that we played through during quarantine, and we played all the Halo games. Well, no, we didn't play Halo 5. Okay, we never did go back to Halo 5. Yeah, we need to do that. We did it 1 through 4. Before we did it, we should acknowledge that... We're a little more upbeat and chipper than oh, the uh, Super Brawl episode. I suppose. I still was really unenthralled by Uncensored. So. That surprises me because we were watching it. You were really into a couple of the matches. Certain things, yeah. But it was slow. I, I don't feel the need to die like I did during Super Brawl. I went back and re-listened to a couple episodes that we recorded and there were some towards the end where you're like, oh God, I'm dying. Oh no, this is the end. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> and, then, and then sometimes I just remember things that we're not going to get to for like years. two years. <laughs> like Oklahoma. And I'm like, oh no. I still don't know what that means. Like, I listened to that. I'm like, why did this get cut? This should have gotten good. Because <laughs> if you know, you know. And if you don't know, now, now you, you know, know, Mr. President. <laughs> 
Okay, I was going for the actual thing, not the Hamilton thing, but oh, that God, works. <laughs> Always go Hamilton. So, Uncensored 1999 opens with cages. Emily, is it a cage? Could be a cage. Might be a cage. We don't know. Yeah, so this is the first of many... I want to say many. It might all be the same. They're so indistinguishable that I'm not sure. It's just like... We are building this cage specially for this match, which is Hogan versus Flair. And, so, and there's Barb and there's sorry, there's Bob Wire according to Bobby Heenan. So this cage match that they're building towards, which is the main event of this, is a steel cage Bob Wire first blood match. Which they did not say on television because <laughs> apparently Turner Broadcasting was like, Don't say blood. Such a weird so they couldn't advertise that as first blood. Turn, so, that didn't fucking matter. We'll because they turned. actually note on commentary, it's like, if you've been reading WCW.com, you'll know that it's this. <sighs> but the the term Bob Wire was referred to many a time during this. Bob, just... Bob Wire seems to be this episode's tire aren't. <laughs> tire aren't, which makes it showing. No, it, it, was, showing. it was just like... Every match had a stipulation and then a stipulation on top of that stipulation. Like, Not all of them, but enough of them do. So many. So there is a Titan Tron again. And let's <laughs> just talk about it now because it comes up a couple times. So we shot on the Titan Tron at, I think it was sold out. I don't remember. I don't remember Super Bowl really having one. But the thing we pointed out with it was that, oh, they got these guys in like a black room and they just got, you know, glamour video right. shots. I don't know where those went because all of the Titantron videos are just like we took someone's eight by ten and we did a, like a photo montage of them. And sometimes they'd zoom and, in, sometimes they crop. Like I should say, of them, it's just the one photo. Oh yeah. Oh, you know, I mean, everyone has their own individual photo, but they only have one photo of each person. Like the one that we mostly noticed it on was Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit coming on. It was just both of their eight by ten headshots, just like randomly <laughs> zooming in and cropping in See, and swapping like, to the other. I liked that one because it's they were at least funny. trying to incorporate two of them versus when it's just one wrestler. It's just like they do it Jericho, yeah. Ugh. But it was just, it was weird. It was like if your middle school child discovered iMovie on your computer but didn't have any video to edit so they just edited random pictures you know i'll be honest i'm not sure how long raw has really had the titantron as well because for a while they had a very base kind of stage so that being said i was so happy to see during this pay-per-view that they have incorporated video packages yes they're not great but they're helpful and they're better than we had. And also, well, one of the main issues with them is that they don't play right before the match. No, they don't. We'll give Which them. We'll give them credit. They do play before the matches <laughs> happen. They don't yeah. play them after. It's WCW. We have to note that. <laughs> Can you imagine? But yeah, they, they'll play a package and then that match won't happen for like 30, 45 minutes. Right. It's like, just play it before. We're good. We're not going to change the channel. We bought the pay-per-view. And the video packages are a little sloppy, but it's at least trying. So, points to you. Right. They are trying to remind you, at least remind you of the story. So, I appreciated the video packages this time around because we haven't watched this build in two months. Yeah. So, I forgot what a lot of the feuds were. So, having even even if it was 45 minutes prior to the match, 
having a reminder of like why Kevin Nash and Rey Mysterio were fighting was very helpful. So the only things we missed uh, before that package are it's Tony Schiavone, Mike Tanay, and Bobby Heenan on commentary. <laughs> and Mean Gene chimes in to plug the hotline. And we don't see Mean Gene again the rest of the night. Oh, God, we don't. Yeah. There was some weird editing on Peacock. I'm guessing it's just a weird transfer thing of it would like fade out of segments, then like pop back where it was and then like fade into the next. Right. Kind of like they were um, doing commercial breaks, which would make sense if this wasn't a pay-per-view. Like yeah. We're not it commercial was breaks. just a little strange on Peacock. I, I don't think we missed anything, but it's no. like a because of where it popped back into it was literally where we were. I'm like, okay, I think it's just a weird transfer mm. kind of thing. They somehow simultaneously seem to be taking too much care and not enough care. Considering as of right now, there is one year of Nitros up and nothing else. And then there is oh, yeah. like the two most recent years of SmackDown and nothing else. We check for SmackDown almost every couple of days. And it's still just the current season and two previous seasons. And we're like... When are you putting the full series? Because all of Raw is on, but not all of SmackDown. Or at least 90%. I forget if it's all or not. But, but like, none of SmackDown's on. We haven't watched WWF slash ETV in so long. Yeah, I think the last thing we watched was, I mean, it was been we watched, Modern Product. But Yeah, we watched Modern Product. We watched Build yeah. to, we watched the SmackDown before WrestleMania and the Raw after. And that's it. So we get the previously mentioned Rey Mysterio versus Kevin Nash package. It's not great, but it's something. But it's a reminder. And then we go to our first match of the night, which is a Cruiserweight Championship match, which is Billy Kidman defending against somebody who's making his debut. I can't remember them ever mentioning this. No, this was never built to. Making his WCW debut is Mikey Whipwreck. Who I never heard of. Apparently he came from ECW. Yes, he is like... ECW is like ultimate underdog kind of character. Okay. He gets mentioned a little bit in the Rise and Fall documentary. Somebody who just like loved wrestling and like kind of came and helped build the rings. And they're like, we'll let you bounce around and kind of work on some stuff of your own as like a way to not pay you. And then they <laughs> offered him a job. And he apparently just got his ass kicked like every match. Hmm. And he finally won a title. And granted, this is... My memory of the documentary, there might be some details missing, but uh, he wanted the tag team titles with Cactus Jack. That'd be fun. They won the tag team titles somehow. Damn. I do have to ask, Mikey Whipwreck, is he a hunk? No. He's not a hunk. No, he's more of like a father. He's 25 here. I don't know. His look is not hunky. He's not daddy. But he's like a father. I thought he was a good looking dude. He's a fine looking dude, but he's not like, I must have you now attractive. He's fine. I have nothing against him. If he hit on me on a bar, I'd probably like entertain it. But I wouldn't like seek him out, you know? It's different. So you know that meme of Joey and Phoebe from Friends of like one of them repeating after the other? Yes. So for this, it's... Say E. E. Say C. C. Say W. W. Like, now say ECW. Oh, he's from this company up in the Northeast. <laughs> they refuse to say ECW at various points Which I found in the strange. build and night. Because, like, I found that strange because they say the words WWE 
I mean, they have in the past. They have. I'm struggling to remember any specific mention, but it wouldn't shock me. Butts in the seats. They say to our competition. They don't say. They don't say that bit of B. Really? They say if you're planning on changing to our competition, fans do not. We just learned that mankind who once wrestled here as Cactus Jack is going to win their world title. That'll put butts in the seats. Yeah. They... I didn't realize they said just competition. They didn't say WWE. Yeah, they weirdly dance around it. I wonder why. I don't... I... To not give them the publicity, but it's like, yeah. It's WWE. They have the publicity. They're fine. But ECW, like, they're not really competition. Like, they are, but they're so much smaller and much different. Like, I I don't think of them as, like, direct competition. It's the same way that... Like, I would say um, AEW is direct competition to current day WWE, but Ring of Honor isn't, you know? It's weird ratings-wise, because ratings are significantly down in current WWE, and... They're on their way back up. The stock is rising. Well, the stock is rising, but the ratings aren't. But AEW and NXT had similar ratings. I think AEW pulled ahead, and that's why they moved NXT Mm -hmm. from Wednesdays to Tuesdays. Yeah, it's a little weirder. It's... Similar to when TNA was a thing, because TNA averaged like 1.1 ratings, and that's what they got every fucking week, no matter what they did. It's like, oh, or like he had a really good week, he got a 1.3, and it's like, they just never grew out of that. And so it's just one of those things where you just don't mention your competition, because it also does help when you finally feel the need to mention them. It feels special. Like, I think of um, the weird Triple H versus Vince feud right around the Stephanie marriage. Yeah. They, like, offer Vince to join DX, and Vince is like, I'd rather join WCW. okay. And the crowd's like, oh! (laughs) Okay, I understand what you mean there. More special, I suppose. Okay, cool. Yeah, but I'm with you in not mentioning ECW feels weird. It does feel weird. Because it just makes him seem like... Ignorant, almost? I'm saying it makes Mikey Whiprack just seem like a guy. It feels like WCW is giving Mikey Whiprack his first chance in a ring, you know? Yeah, the way I would describe it is, it feels like, in reality, WCW and... WWF are like Major League Baseball. ECW is like AAA minor leagues. Right. And there's an audience for that. And the guys are still very good. They're treating it like he's straight out of college and never has any like pro experience. Like this is his first chance at becoming pro. Yeah. And like I said, he won won the tag team titles with with fucking... Actually, I think he was ECW champion at one point. Which is wild because they're treating him like this brand new, like fresh faced kid. He's clearly not. He put on a pretty good match here. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into the match. Yeah, this is pretty quick, but not super quick, and I didn't mind that. I thought it was a touch too long. A little bit. I mean, it did go for a while, but, like, if you put this match on, like, a modern-day card, I think people would still be happy with it. Like I this, think so. This match feels... Ahead of its time doesn't feel like the right word, but, like... It feels a little timeless, let's say. Yes, evergreen. We get a nice spot where Mikey Wilbrack wheelbarrows Kidman into the guardrail. Like, just drops and, like, face first yeah. onto it. We get a interesting submission move from him. 
Because he like starts off with like a death lock kind of leg lock thing, mm. and then like flips him into like a reverse like Mexican surfboard stretch kind of thing. So it's. A little loose because he's trying to grab under Kidman's chin, and I don't know whether he can't or that would actually be too sore, so he ends up letting go after a little bit, but it was interesting looking. Yeah. Whiprack also counters one of the like leg float-over moves that Kidman does into a powerbomb, which I'm like, smart. Do not flip right. Billy Kidman into a powerbomb. Just get him how you can and catch <laughs> him and, and drop him down. Kidman's going to go for the shooting star press, but gets knocked to the outside. Whipwreck then dives to the outside after him, but misses and hits the guardrail. Kidman gets clotheslined over the guardrail, and Whipwreck goes to, like, tope over the guardrail, and misses Kidman, so just takes oh the bump God. entirely on the concrete. And Ugh. again, I know you're from ECW, but ow. Yeah, still. So, there was a point in this where I had just hyper-focused on Whipwreck's shirt. Did you notice his shirt? I guess I didn't. So this shirt is something that would have come out of a gas station circa 1995. That's his style. It's, okay. (laughs) So at least one side of it, I didn't get both sides because they were different. One side of it was airbrushed castle with a dragon on top of it. it. It was like beach art airbrush. It's just like this big, scary dragon okay. on top of a castle. I'm like, what's your brand? And they turn around. The other side was a completely different color story. So I'm like, what the? F- where did you get this shirt? You know, we didn't. But I'm wondering if we should have done who's that Pokemon? For- I think it would have been too hard. <laughs> it would have been all of them. <laughs> Every fucking Pokemon. The Kanto Pokedexes. <laughs> it was an interesting shirt. Once I realized there was a dragon on it, I was like, oh, I need to. F- I need this shirt. This is a shirt that I need. So he's a dragon type Pokemon. Is what you're saying? He, if there's such thing as a Pokemon that wants to be a dragon type but isn't a dragon type, that would be Gyarados. I guess, but Gyarados is too cool. I think most of the ones dragon that aren't it. dragon type, <laughs> that is dragon type. Ah shit! What does Gyarados come from? Oh, he's fucking Magikarp. <laughs> no, he's he's talented. <laughs> fucking Vincent's Magikarp. We would have given him any fucking Magikarp. Anyway. But, yeah, that tope out of the concrete, like, both, it, it wasn't a big move, but both of us were like, ooh, God. Yeah, that one hurt. Because it's concrete. Like, there's no padding on that. Kidman goes for a superplex, but Whipwreck counters and hits a diving clothesline. I was amazed that in the Cruiserweight match, they did not hit a superplex during this match, because they have been spamming that shit they lately. Really have. We get an interesting sit-out pedigree from Kidman. It's like that double underhook face buster, mm. which is a pedigree. But it's like, no, I'm going to sit out. Whipwreck hits a nice, like, flipping super back suplex. It's kind of like when Kurt Angle cool. or Benoit hits, like, like the German and the other person, like, flips onto their stomach. Yeah. They did that for a back suplex. That and was, was cool. like, Yeah, it was a nice spot. Whipwreck decides to suddenly go for a power bomb, but then Billy Kidman counters it into a face buster. Shocker! And then hits the shooting star press, which did not scare me no, at all. it looked good. And gets the win. This one... Okay, so this match, I said, went a touch too long. But the second he did the face buster, I was like, oh, okay, the match can end now. I thought this was a really good match. And it was a really good debut for Mikey Whipwreck. Yeah, as someone who has seen very little of him, I like I wanted to like him, and I'm glad it panned out. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think I've only seen him from ECW's One Night Stand 2005. And I don't know how out of shape he really was at the time, but the outfit he's wearing to wrestle in makes him look out of shape and granted you know it's six years later i guess he's in his early 30s and you know not everyone Mm. ages gracefully see us so this was the second longest match of the night at 1501 oh Oh, wow i thought 
this one felt a little long. I want to read you a little excerpt from the death of WCW. Okay. Regarding Mikey Whipwreck. ECW's perennial underdog and former world champion Mikey Whipwreck. So I guess he did win the title. Oh, okay. Debuted with the company that night. A night he'd never forget for all the wrong reasons. Quote, I was told four different things when I debuted against Committed Uncensored, noted Whipwreck. Jimmy Hart told me I was winning in ten minutes. Kevin Sullivan told me I was losing in eight. Mike Graham told me I was getting DQ'd or something after only five minutes, setting up something for Nitro. Finally, Arn Anderson told me to ignore everybody else and put Kim in over in about 15, which is what they did. Yeah. I was there two hours, and I already hated the place. <laughs> oh, no. This was not the only first night hilarity. Quote, I saw Bret Hart at Nitro the night after Uncensored, Whipwreck said, and they flew him into Cincinnati for no reason. They had nothing for him. He told me he heard Kim and I had the match of the night. I told him I thought it was good and was hoping it would lead to something. He looked at me right in the eyes and said, you're probably fucked. Yep, he was right. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, I'm like, oh. oh. my God. When Bret Hart knows. <laughs> also, Bret Hart's only been there a little over a year and Bret Hart's already fucking jaded to it. I can't imagine how frustrating that had to have been. Like, you're losing. You're winning. You're DQing. What? <laughs> Thought I'd include that because I remember that story a little bit from That's the book. Funny. You're probably fucked. <laughs> yeah, this was a really good match. It I really was, was. I thought it would be pretty good, and I was pleasantly surprised yeah. that it was even better than I thought it would be. Yeah. So next up, we get a Stevie Ray versus Vince promo package. They know it'll be a Harlem street fight, which I don't remember them mentioning in the build, but it's no. also been a while. Vince has a questionable line. He says that he likes to fight in the jungle, the projects. Okay, I caught that too. I don't know. that. Like The fact that they were talking about like it was a Harlem Street fight and they're like, I came up in the projects. I'm like, I don't... I don't, like, I don't think he said I came up in the projects. I think Vincent was saying, I'll fight you in the projects. I don't know. The whole thing made me kind of like squirmy. Like, I don't it, feel it, like this is it right. It felt like white people writing black people. Yes. This is not something that would have been written in 2021, or at least approved to be published in 2021. It was strange. We also get the strange line of Stevie Ray calling Vincent a Rudy Pooh fruit booty. It's like they were trying to be The Rock. When he said Rudy Pooh, I'm like, you're trying to do The Rock promos. So after that, we get some more cage hype. You excited? Okay, so oh. I had a note during this. Oh. So during the cage hype video bit, they had a video of the welder, the guy building the cage. Tell me that welder did not look like Bubba Ray Dudley. I, I missed him. I was They cut to him out. a couple of times and they didn't have the mask down. I'm like, that's fucking Bubba Ray. Like I wanted to point it out to you when we were watching it, but I also wanted to tell you on the podcast. Well, we will have another Bubba Ray Dudley mentioned a little bit later on. Oh, really? Yeah. We both have a Bubba Race surprise. <laughs> so this video package, they actually do play kind of bef- right before the match. They have the cage sort of kinda, one yeah. in between. But uh, next up, we have Stevie Ray versus Vincent in a Harlem <sighs> street fight for leadership of the NWO Black and White. In other words, the most unnecessary and stupid setup to a match. Because even during the match, Mike Tenay ponders like, huh, I wonder what the other members think of this. And then Tony Schiavone notes, yeah, I wonder if they've agreed to this. To quote The Simpsons, 
making the previous rounds a complete waste. Listen, I, you know, I hate Scott Hall and I hate Kevin Nash. But there was a point in this match where I was like hoping that they Nash have, and Hall came. They have gravitas. I was hoping that they would come down that ramp with microphones and be like, guys. What do you think is happening right now? Do you really think that you are going to win leadership over the NWO black and white? Are you serious? Like, you're not going to be the leader. I wanted them to, like, kind of kick him into place, you know? Because this is so dumb. I mean, they've been fucking with them for whatever reason. This is so stupid. So they just nothing brawl around for a while. The crowd dies every time Vincent's on offense. Oh, yeah. Vincent's not great. We'll, We'll get into that in a little bit. They brawl through the crowd to this weird section. It's like literally one section of the crowd is like caution taped off. And there's a bunch of folding chairs like folded and flat on the ground. And I'm like, what the fuck is this for? Tony mentions it's something for the camera crew. But I'm like, why would you leave the chairs there? People are trying to like work there. I, yeah, I think we're putting too much we time I think we were thinking about it more than WCW thought about it. Yeah, trying to mention them with the camera crew and think, okay, there's your excuse. Yeah. There's a weird, bad, awkward spot where it's set up in the corner and Stevie Ray just kind of falls and then Vincent's apparently dizzy and dizzily falls headfirst in like a low blow. Yeah, but kind of misses. Yeah, I mean. Doesn't it, hit a flesh. Then Horace Hogan comes oh. down, tosses a slapjack in the ring, turns to the camera, goes, I don't care who hits who, I'm the leader. And it's like, which really makes this match pointless. What? <laughs> Vincent grabs a slapjack, goes to hit Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray counters, hits his finisher, which is called the slapjack, <laughs> which is basically a pedigree. Oh, I didn't realize it was called and the And wins. So that slapjack was entirely unnecessary. Yes. And Horace Hogan's existence in this match was entirely unnecessary this match was entirely unnecessary yeah the, i mean i will say that this match is is nothing it's bad it's nothing it's i didn't find it offensively no bad. and that's the thing it wasn't offensively offensively bad it was boring but it wasn't it went bad. it went six minutes 30 seconds it was just it went, unnecessary. It went just about as long as fucking uh, Biggie and Apollo Crews from uh, WrestleMania 37. The drum, quote unquote, drum match. <laughs> drum match. <laughs> no, this match was not bad. It was not offensive. It was just, if you put even the slightest amount of thought into why this match was, it loses enti- it loses its so, whole integrity. So this was a Harlem street fight. They it, literally did not use a weapon in the entire no! match. He swings the slapjack and he gets countered. And doesn't and use the slapjack to win. So. Oh, my God. I have some good news for you. Calling this a Harlem street match was just like calling Biggie and Apollo Crews. Or was it Apollo Crews? Yeah. Was just like calling Biggie and Apollo Crews' match a drum match. Or if you're Michael Cole during a Royal Rumble, it's like Shelton Benjamin. Let me there. Nope, that's Apollo no. Crews. That's another bald black man. It was so unnecessary. It just, I, the whole time I was trying to make sense of it, and I just couldn't. So, Emily, do you want a piece of good news? Ugh, sure. This is the last pay-per-view match of Vincent. Really? Yes. Does he get kicked out of NWO? Do you know? He stays in a little bit longer, but... Uh, I know he doesn't go This to is WWE. the last time, I believe, he will ever wrestle on pay-per-view, barring maybe some indie shows. Wow. It's the last star-rated match from Dave Meltzer. What a way to go! 
Which, speaking of which, would you like to know Vincent's top-rated matches per Dave Meltzer? Sure. So, the best match he ever had out of five stars okay. is a three-and-a-half-star tag team match oh. at this Tuesday in Texas. He was teamed with El Matador versus The Repo Man and Ted DiBiase. His highest ever singles match was the same year versus Ted DiBiase at three and a quarter stars oh. at SummerSlam 1991. <gasps> Are you serious? The last time this man, barring World War Three matches or Royal Rumbles, the last time this man had a match even worth a little bit of a damn was 1991. Wow. This is also only his second non, you know, large battle royal match on pay-per-view in WCW. Wow. The only other match he had was a six-man tag at Starcade 97. Well, that doesn't really count. Six-man tag? Where he teamed with Randy Savage. Oh, so he was very much not the center of attention. No, exactly. It, so this is his only singles action on pay-per-view. In WCW. Wow. Yep. I kind of feel bad for Vince, but he's also a terrible no, yeah. wrestler, so like... The last time he had a good match was 1991. Eight years ago. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, get good. I'm sorry. I don't even yeah. feel that bad. So we'll see him on the Nitros, and he'll change his gimmick a couple of times. But in terms of pay-per-view... He's done. In terms of, you know, feuds, it's like, yeah, he's probably done. So basically, from this point on, if we were just doing builds and skipping around in Nitros, this would be the last we see of Vince. Yes. <laughs> because we're watching entire episodes. Aren't you glad we're going weekly now? Woo! So, after that match, we get a WCW.com interview with Chris Jericho. <laughs> and you know what? Jericho has his podcast voice on. It's he does. V- it's very subdued, like, oh, I, you know, I know this is more low energy, so I don't feel the need to. Anyway, this was a fine nothing promo. The WCW.com interviews are really, like... Go watch the full promo here. And yeah. I think even then it's no expectations. So let's move on to our next match, which is Kevin Nash with Lex Luger and Miss Elizabeth versus Rey Mysterio, still unmasked and will be the rest of his WWE time. Wait, so we talked about Miss Elizabeth looking out of place here. And what did you say about Miss Elizabeth in this little crowd? I said she looks like a wife who the husband keeps around just in case anyone needs beers where it's like no you can't go out with your friends what if someone needs a drink yeah it's like you know that kind of like abusive husband kind of vibe she's just kind of there and looks she doesn't look like she wants to be there either no she doesn't it's just it's strange and i think her and luger are an item at this and that's not even making her you know feel they need to be motivated no not at all so Nash comes out and cuts his regular promo. Yeah, he also gets a face reaction. Yeah, everyone loves him. He's so excited to Well, because to he's see cutting him. a face promo. It's, it's, it's sing-along, and people love sing-along. The Rock actually had a great way of doing that, where he had his shtick and people like sing-along, and he'd be like, no, 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 this is not sing-along with The Rock. And for a while, he would actually try to do different timings of, if you smell The Rock is cooking. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, try to, like, just... Speed up and slow it down. No, you don't fucking sing along. Yeah. I'm a heel now. So Ray comes out in some burnt red, gray, black, and white camouflage. (laughs) Looking like the third Ray Dudley coming out. Seriously. There's my Bubba Ray Dudley reference. Oh, duh. Of course. Yeah. Ray, I am pretty sure the Dudley boys wrestled in the outfit Ray Mysterio came out in. So we were talking about how or when to play Who's That Pokemon in this pay-per-view. 
Nick suggested we play Who's That Pokemon with Ray Mysterio in this. And he says, Who's That Pokemon? It's Bubba Ray Dudley. <laughs> I suppose it was named. He just says, Get the Tables. <laughs> it's Get the Tables. Bonus addition to that for Ray to have an actual one. But we have a full one later. I wrote that he is Mega Scizor. I have I didn't even look into it. He's just red camo. I don't even know what Mega Scizor looks like. Who is that? It's Scizor, but it's Mega Evolution. Who's Scizor? Scyther's Evolution. Oh, I'm looking it up. Hold on. If you trade Scyther holding a metal claw, it'll evolve into Scizor. Sure. I was thinking that or Sea King. Okay, I will take Sea King over Mega okay. Scizor. Yeah. Yeah. It like it, it's not good looking camouflage. Oh, God, also, no. which. I guess I should note is entirely pointless because when are you using red camouflage? I thought that too. I thought that for like I guess very, any other very color camo. very specific forests <laughs> where the leaves are more red. The redwood forest. So the match starts and immediately Ray just eats a big boot from Nash. Uh-huh. Nash knocks Ray to the floor with his frame up elbow, including a uh, suck it taunt. Yeah, this match is literally just Nash on offense, and then Ray's going to make a comeback. And either Ray's going to get the win there, or Nash is going to come back from there. So here's the thing that I had noticed about this match. I don't think that, at least in the first half, I don't think that I could call what Kevin Nash is doing wrestling. All he's doing, all he's doing is being large. He's bullying and being large. Well, if funny enough, my note... For this match is Nash can tell a story in a match, but his move set is shit. Yeah, like Rey Mysterio was wrestling. Kevin Nash is just sticking his foot out. I've mentioned this. He's not bef- wrestling. I've mentioned this before, but when they had Kane come in as fake Diesel, <laughs> oh yes, they had K- Jim Cornette work with him to kind of get the move set. He's like, "Totally five moves. You count the fucking hair flip." <laughs> <laughs> well, not wrong. I am tired of Kevin Nash's just snarky face. Just that little head shake of... Oh my god, the smolder that that man had on him. He had it on most... Anytime the camera cut to a close-up, he had that fucking smolder. And I wanted to punch it in. Like You know in, in like cartoons, when cartoon characters get punched and their entire face caves in? Yeah. That's what I want to do to Kevin Nash. Well, I assume you also wanted to do the next thing which happens to Kevin Nash. Because Ray starts his comeback by just... Full-on punting Kevin Nash in the dick. It's pretty great. So this raised a point which will come up throughout the night. This pay-per-view is called Uncensored because previously all of the matches were like no DQ and unsanctioned. And it was like anything goes, although you might have stipulations. Mm. And it kind of fell apart pretty quickly because how can you have an unsanctioned title match kind of thing? So I'm like, okay, is it no DQ? But the refs treat it like there's DQ. Right. So I didn't think that there was no DQ in but this But then again, show, so. sometimes in no DQ matches, the refs treat it like, no, oh, you can't use this weapon. See later in this podcast. So I'm going to say this should have been a DQ because commentary never notes the everything's unsanctioned kind of right. match. Should have been a DQ right there. Not the bad call tonight. No, not yet. This was passable. So... Luger distracts Ray and Kevin Nash hits another big boot. Nash then gets him out and signals for the jackknife, hits it and wins. Thoughts on the jackknife as a, as a finisher, by the way? 
Because people are like, it's the best power bomb. I'm like, he doesn't power bomb. It's he, not really a power bomb. He gets him it? up and then just drop. Yeah, I wouldn't consider Like, that I mean, a he gets bomb. him in a power bomb position. It's just like there he doesn't seem to apply any force for better or worse on the way no, down. I don't think of it as a finisher. I mean, it is a, it is absolutely a finisher. It is. You need at least the motion of being driven down and like right. like right here he just fucking whoop just like drop. He like tosses and it's like that's not an impactful move. No, it, that that's the thing. Okay, that's the thing. Like if it's a finisher it should be more impactful. This was not all that impactful. Yeah, it's just the way Nash does it. Well, would you believe it? I don't like Kevin Nash. Would you believe it? Do you just like him more than Scott Hall? I don't fucking know. I hate them both. Kevin Scott Hall was not in this pay-per-view. Did we note that? I think he's hurt at this point. Good. Sorry. Yeah, I've I've cut you saying good a couple times. I guess I'll leave this one. Sorry. I know he's fine in 2021. I know he's alive and well and he's fine. Fine. <laughs> Coming out doing the old man. Stop. Old man walk. Oh, God. Doing the Razor Ramon walk. Shut up. Shut up with your walking. I hate you. <laughs> Jesus. You heard it here first. Emily wants him to be in a wheelchair. That's <laughs> not what I said. I honestly, I, I want to make you watch the Scott Hall documentary where DDP turns his life around just for a little appreciation. Of I don't like, want to appreciate yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. I know you want to hate him. So <laughs> I hate him. I don't want you to be like, no, he's a good guy. Look at how good of a guy he is. I don't want to start liking Well, no. That, that story is really more how good a guy DDP is. Well, we know DDP is a good guy. it's just Scott Hall turning his life around. <sighs> anyway, I figure this is it for Ray's push. I, I have not peaked. Will Ray be wrestling at Spring Stampede? No. No? I can't imagine what they would do with this story. He's lost. He's lost twice. Are they going to continue this feud? I can see him wrestling Kidman, but I think... Uh, this feud, though, like, this isn't... Oh, this is it. This is it. No, Nash is booking. Nash got his win back. He's done. Yeah, no. And, like, if they continue on with Mikey Whipwreck, Billy Kidman is going to wrestle Mikey Whipwreck. We'll see. In the cruiserweights. And maybe I'm reading too much into the you're probably fucked, but I'm assuming Whipwreck won't appear on TV for, like, three weeks. I can see Ray coming back in a tag team with Billy Kidman. They do form a tag team at some point. I don't think he'll he'll wrestle singles in a pay-per-view again. Yeah, I know in literally the final Nitro, Ray and Kidman are a tag team. So there's that. That's nice. On to match of the night. <laughs> well, you're skipping. There was a Raven versus Hack versus Bam Bam Bigelow video package. Oh, right. Thank God for this video package. I had no idea what this, this brawl was. It's very much... Hey, remember ECW? And people are like, that's still a thing. Remember it? Yeah, I just... Watched it yesterday. L- look over there. It's right there. <laughs> but um, after that, we get a handicap match, which is Jerry... If you can call it a handicap match. Jerry Flynn versus Ernest Miller and Sonny Ono. To which I asked, who the fuck is Jerry Flynn? I don't know, but... W- <laughs> Don't call yourself Jerry Flynn when Jerry Lynn is a wrestler. Fair. But, like, in the build, in in the video package, they were showing clips of Jerry Flynn at Nitro. There was no video package. They just mentioned that he was on Nitro. Oh, did... Well, I thought it was in the... No, they said... Oh, no, no, that was a different package. No, they mentioned that Jerry Flynn was sporting a new look because of what happened on On Nitro. On Nitro. So that was a line that I was like, he was on Nitro? Who is this guy? We definitely watched the Nitro that he, they are talking about. I think 
Jerry Flynn may have wrestled at Super Brawl or sold out. I think he teamed with, like, Finley. No. I think it was him and Finley versus, like, Scott Norton and, like, Stevie Ray, Horace Hogan, somebody interchangeable. Super Bowl or sold out. So after checking, Emily is right. They did not wrestle at uh, Super Bowl or sold out. It was Starcade, the oh, biggest God. show of the year. Brian Adams and Scott Norton defeated Fit Finley and Jerry Flynn. Whoa. I knew we had seen him on pay-per-view, and I remember going, why the fuck is this guy on pay-per-view? Sorry, I don't remember the pay-per-view we watched on December 28th, 2020. Sorry. What? How did you forget the five-star classic? That How is... could I forget? Quick, name who was in that match right now. Uh, hold on, let me scroll. I'm scrolling. Uh, <laughs> there he is. Um, Brian Adams, Scott Norton, Vince. <laughs> Vincent, no, it wasn't. Vincent was with them. Oh, God. So back to the match that happens on this show. We get Ernest Miller coming out to, I'm guessing it's a rights thing. Yeah, this was Because it's very much meant to be James Brown's get up. And it's a weird, bad version, like, replacing it. Because they actually mention, oh, he has his James Brown music. Oh, did they mention that? They mentioned it when, when he's coming out. But it's like a, I'm like, do you mean actual James Brown or do you mean... Shitty knockoff James Brown. should have been James Brown, yeah. I did not check on this. I meant to, but... Yeah. You it, cared it's, as much it's as Ernest, Yeah, it's Ernest Miller, so I, I didn't feel the need to go check so, this. there was a point in this match where I had I had tuned out, like, pretty much immediately. I saw Nick had also tuned out because he was Googling things. So did commentary, because at one point I tuned back into what commentary was saying about this. And they were just saying things like... This this match, this is why we're here. I mean, we have to eat. We have to live. I'm like, this match is making you question your life choices. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Same. I noted <laughs> I do not care about any of these men. <laughs> Jerry Flynn hits a very flaily vault to the outside. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah, sure he does. The ref stops Ernest Miller from using a chair at one point, And I'm like, so is it? Uncensored yeah, right, now. Right. That that was the thing of like, it, it can't be no DQ. I mean, like. So every time we've seen Ernest Miller and Sonny Ono, they're not getting along. Why are they still together? Because having this them angle break isn't up, hot enough for them to break up. Exactly. Having them break up would mean to give them TV time and give them a story. No, but they're, they're getting to because they've been breaking up for like six months, it feels like. No one cares. Just do it. No one cares. Yeah, and I'm like, why is he still even with them? But the, the finish of this match is Jerry Flynn whips Ernest Miller into the corner, who then collides into Sonny Ono, which somehow counts as a tag. And literally the collision and Ono falling into the ring is enough for Flynn to get the pin. Or is it because Ernest Miller breaks it up at like fucking two? Yeah. Like as he's counting two and the ref just goes, no, that was three. No, that's it. I don't know if it was a mistake or not, but I don't give a fuck enough about this match to, no. to like, I, I didn't want to see it go any longer. So I'm like, fuck it. Right. This was boring. Oh, I tuned out almost, like I, I said, almost immediately. I didn't like the Vincent and Stevie Ray match, but I liked it a hell of a lot more than this. Yeah. This match went 7.08. Seven minutes and eight seconds. Too long. Don't watch this match. It's not good. No. Moving on. Anyway. We get a Horseman versus Winneman Hennig video package, which is not the next match. The next match is 
the Ravens rules triple threat, Bam Bam Bigelow versus Hack versus Raven. I was kind of curious how we'd feel about this. Granted, the pseudo main event of ECW was a hardcore triple threat. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that'll be a kind of direct comparison. But this was a mess in a good way. This was a fun mess. I'll start by saying I was a little sad we did not get any sort of Enter Sandman knockoff for Hack. No. I was ready for us to do the drinking game. He comes out. And he doesn't come out and do any beers. We don't but need during to do the, the beer thing. But during the video package, he does slam the cane over his head. Not to the point of blood. I'm wondering Thank if he wasn't God. allowed to. Probably not. So Raven also comes out with Chastity, his sister. Yeah, I forgot his sister was like with him now. Yeah, we haven't seen a ton of him on TV because they were doing the, you know, in Florida video packages. Yeah. And then he just kind of returned up, and I'm like, okay, well, how long is your sister just here for now or for a while? It or... seems like she's going to be here for a little while per the end of this match. Yeah, I half remember her being there, but I mean, Raven's not around for a while either. So. But there's a point where Chastity wheels the wagon of weapons. It is a laundry cart. Okay. I like calling it the wagon of weapons because it's more alertive and fun. Yes, that is literally one of the first things that happened. Because there's a pretty uh-huh. quick start, and then she's like, here's the fucking weapons. Yeah, go ham. And then they just all get tossed in the ring, and there is no floor space. Oh my god, no. Like, to the point where taking a bump would have been dangerous, because, like, there were chairs and tables and trash cans and basically every bit of weapon that you can think of that might have been in a hardcore match was on the ground in the ring. They didn't really leave the ring very much at all. No, very little. Like, I think I, I like, know I think Hackley was, like, once. Once, maybe. But or they leave literally twice to get tables, and that's tables, it. yes. And then they just bring tables in to fill the ring even more. Yeah, and then... <laughs> tables that may or may not have been breakaway? We'll get there. I did like Hack using a fucking ironing board and just swinging and hitting people. Oh my god, and that ironing board was, like, indestructible. Ironing... Again, was this stuff breakaway? <laughs> ironing board gets some ECW chance. There's a handful of them throughout this match, because yeah. that's what they're going for. All three of these guys are ex-ECW, so yeah. So, they also bring in... A, like, square kind of graded fan. Oh, like a box fan. Yeah, yeah. Box fan. Like you put in a window. Yes. And Bam Bam goes to toss it at Hack. And the way he tosses it, you can tell Bam Bam is looking out for him in terms of being safe. Hack then goes to hit Bam Bam with it. And Bam Bam gets his hands up. And however it hit him, you could tell Bam Bam hurt his fucking hands. It was like, because you kind of hold it on like... You should be selling your head there, not your hands. And it was like a, fuck, that really hurt. God damn it. Yeah. This was not a gimmick fan. This was a real fan that I think they both thought like, okay, if I'm not doing it over the head, you I'm, should be fine. I'm a real fan. I'm not a fake fan. <laughs> Are you a box fan? Yes. I'm a is real fan of boxes. These, is that why we have all these boxes in this apartment still? I'm a big fan of boxes. Jesus. Best Danny Phantom ghost. The box ghost. Wow. Deep cut. So... Bam Bam sets up a table, and originally he's going to dive off the middle rope through Hack on the table. But Hack then gets up, but then Raven attacks him, and then just, like, sets him up for Bam Bam to powerbomb him from the middle rope. And Bam Bam does. However, Hack does not go through the table. Because we noted when he took it out, I'm like, that table looks a little supported. And we both, we both like, went back and forth. I'm like, it... Might be break. Yeah, we're like placing bets. I'm like, all right, is it and gonna break like, or no? When Bam Bam threw Hack through it, 
or onto it onto it it didn't it didn't budge it like kind of wobbled it took bam bam putting his entire body weight yeah because bam thing. bam gets back in the second row and kind of like weirdly splashes like onto yeah <laughs> onto hack on this table and then it kind of cracks but it doesn't break like a standard breakaway table would do in a you know a regular match i don't think this was a breakaway table i think this was just a table that happened to break these right here where i noted remember during the raven in florida segments when hack showed up i totally forgot about that they don't talk about that either yeah i just commented about too so they set up a second table and hack and raven try to like double hit toss bam bam it like through it but just end up tossing him onto it raven then dt's hack and then tapes his hands behind his back with like duct tape and then hits him repeatedly over the head with a chair which, which you noted was very similar to what had happened relatively recently on WWF. Yes, this is March of 99, late January of 99, would have been the Rock Mankind I Quit match as featured in Beyond the Mat. Right. Of, you know, Mankind's hands getting handcuffed behind his back. And I'm like, are you trying to reference that? Like, don't make people think that. That's not a fun memory. No, and it was, it was in the Beyond the Mat um, documentary, if you hadn't watched it. They Mick Foley mentions, like, I've told The Rock that he could have one hit. And The Rock took, like, four that's or five. M- that's more from his book. He doesn't mention that on oh, the documentary. Oh, sorry. I've read and watched both. No, the docu- documentary you see is kids reacting to it, and it's very upsetting. Yeah, it's in the book of... Um... Yeah, Mick Foley told The Rock that he could have one hit. No, it was, it was more than one. It was... Not five or six. No, it was five or six. Rock did about 11. Oh, for real? Yeah. Oh, shit. I had that wrong in my head then. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's a lot. Granted, if you watch the match, you can make a case of Mick being in the moment. The part that Still. is inexcusable is Rock not coming out, you know, not, not looking out for him after the match. Right. That That's the part where I think everybody kind of agree of, that was a little shitty. Yeah. So I thought it was weird that I don't know if it was intentional or not, that it felt like parallels to it. Because also, he DDTs him, and then the duct taping the arms takes a while. It's like, you really could have just pinned him there. Yeah. Like, he's he's out. So after this, Bam Bam Bigelow then hits a greetings from Asbury Park, aka his finisher on Raven, doesn't go for the pin. He then sets up a table... And puts Raven under the table and is like, I'm going to moonsault through this table. Yeah. It's like, why? But it doesn't even happen as Chastity grabs a fire extinguisher and shoots it in his face. He then falls backwards through the table. Chastity then sprays it at Raven and then headbutts him in the dick before doing <laughs> the Raven pose. And Hack just gets the win. Just takes the pin. This match was fun until the last minute. Yeah, I agree. This was a very fun mess. And then it, like, lost track. Yeah, it was real messy, but it, it it felt chaotic. Yeah. And, like, I love it. I love a hardcore match. Yeah. I think they're very fun. This lost its way. It was This was contender for match of the night, for me, at least, until the last minute. Yeah, especially because I don't care about the character of Chastity at this point. Oh, I don't give a shit about Cass- Chastity. I did note that... Chastity has... How do you want to describe the hair? It's like cornrow braids. It's braided dreads, sort of. Yeah. She looks like Sweet D from Always Sunny in the Jersey Shore episode. 
And I showed you the image and you're like, oh my God, yes. Yeah, look that up on Google Image and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. She also has the, you know, classic late 90s frosty eyeshadow and lip look. Yeah. Which is just, it's not, it's a, good not look. a good look. It wasn't a good look in the 90s and now it's not a good look. Like, it what was, were we thinking? It was wrong then and it's wrong now. What were, what were we thinking as a society with makeup in the 90s? Are we trying to make our lips frosty? All right. Her look or the um, Scott Steiner's freak look from the last pay-per-view or the one before that? Oh, Chastity's worse. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. The other girl understood makeup and what looked good on her. She just didn't know how to execute it. Chastity thought this looked great. So let's move on. We get Tony and Mike talking about the main event as Bobby Heaton just turns his back to the camera. I'm like, okay. He's just being a pouty little bitch at this point. After that, we get the tag team championship match, which is the Horsemen, which are Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko, mm-hmm. versus Barry Windham and Kurt Hennig in a lumberjack strap match. Now, I'll be honest. I thought when it was a strap match, the competitors would be strapped to each other. As a generally a strap match is. Yes, this is, they gave the Lumberjacks belts. And we're like, if someone leaves the ring, whip them. Whip the shit out of them. You <laughs> to know, which Norman Smiley was like, you said whip, let's go. <laughs> Norman Smiley did not hold back. So I think this is when I first noticed the shit Titantron of the 8 by 10s for the Horsemen. Because Winnem and Hennigs get the same. Yeah. And this is also where I noticed that the Lumberjacks have the straps, not the... Uh, not the competitors. So it was more of a whip match, not a strap match. Yeah. So after Hennig and Wyndham come out, Hennig apparently winks at one of the lumberjacks. His name is Kendall Wyndham. He's Barry <laughs> Wyndham's brother. And I'm like, how the fuck is that allowed? Yeah. Which I guess it's not. Because is that the one that gets replaced? No. Arn Anderson then comes down and takes Chris Adams' spot to like even the odds. Okay. They, you know, they have a little handshake of like, you know, Arn, you're going to make this right. Right. So they each have a lumberjack kind of there to benefit themselves. Yeah. The lumberjacks ended up being like, are you on this side or that side? Yeah. And there's a They're real, very much not unbiased. There's a real messy start of like, Henning and Wyndham go to like leave before the match even fucking starts and they just get whipped a bunch. Yeah. And then the match starts and... They keep rolling to the outside and getting whipped. And it's like, dude, learn. Like, right? You're not this stupid. And this is when we noticed that uh, Norman Smiley was a little... Uh, he a little was going ham. Excited to have the belt in hand. <laughs> that said, I'm upset about Norman Smiley in this match. Why? Because we wanted him to do the big wiggle with, with, the, belt. with the belt. I'm happy that he didn't. It'd be, it would be weird, but I would have marked out. You know... Norman Smiley, as much shit as we have given him in the past, he is much more palatable when he's wearing full pants. Okay, I gotta ask you a question. Which one do you prefer? Norman Smiley or Ernest Miller? Because I feel like we equally disdain them. I think I, I, think I would say Norman Smiley. I would too, because I... Listen, I remember the Pepe storyline. Yes. I cannot remember anything Ernest Miller yeah. has done. He's just, he's just arrogant and annoying. He did something with Saturn, I remember. At, like, I Starcade... World War Three, something like that. Oh. The match itself is pretty standard tag action between these guys. It's about what, what you'd expect. 
every now and again they toss their opponent to the outside who gets whipped. Yeah. And there's very clearly a divide of uh, heel lumberjacks and face lumberjacks. Right. And, you know, Arn's the leader of one. I guess Kendall Wyndham's the leader I of the guess. one. Who I literally have, we have not seen. No. He may have been on Nitro and we skipped stuff. But I heard the name. I couldn't tell you which of those lumberjacks Kendall Wyndham was. Considering you didn't recognize him, I assume he was large and bald. Or had long blonde hair. Probably. One of those two, yeah. So, there's nothing really special about this match, I said. Except for the fact of the referee, Randy Anderson, has a quick fucking count. To where you yes, had to ask does. me, like, he's trying to screw them? I'm like, nope, that's just his count, apparently. It was weird, yeah. Like, I felt like, I felt the need to justify it. Like, oh, maybe he's just going with the pace of the match. But, like, that's not how refs go. That's not how that works. Bit into the match, Dean gets Hennigan and Cloverleaf, but Wyndham breaks it up. Hennig then gets Dean in a rest hold, and Arn shouts encouragement to him. And Hennig just like, shut up, Anderson. Shut up. <laughs> Hennig just gets it. Like, he, yeah. he is great. Would you say he's perfect? Not anymore. Oh, Stop. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a nice uh, dub spot, as some refer to it, of Dean hitting punches on the way down from a back suplex. So both men are down at the end of it. Yeah. I, I haven't seen that. It's usually that was cool. It's usually like a double clothesline where both men are down or yeah. like a double cross body. It was like, okay, this makes sense that both men would kind of be down. Benoit gets the hot tag and then all four men just fight in the ring. It's like, oh, so much for that hot tag. Yeah. What's Weirdly tag? enough, Benoit and Wyndham, even though Henning is legal, go to the outside and then the Lumberjacks start to brawl. Henning knocks... Arn Anderson off the apron while fighting with Dean. So Arn comes back in with the tire arm. The tire arm! The tire arm makes an appearance. I got so excited when I saw the tire arm. And hits Hennig with it. In the corner, Benoit and Wyndham are fighting. And what's supposed to happen is Dean Malenko is supposed to grab Wyndham's neck with the belt. And pull him onto the floor. You know, sure, because that, that's like what the, the feud was about, basically. Yes. He doesn't grab him. He kind of hits him with it. So Wyndham just kind of wobbles yeah. and falls. Credit to Wyndham for just taking it anyway. Yeah, make it work. Benoit is then on the top rope and hits the flailingest diving head by a scene. Because oh. Hennig is literally like in the opposite corner. Like... Benoit goes the fucking distance of the ring. He, he is on his way. He can go the distance. He'll be there someday. Fearless, proud, and strong. So Benoit gets the win, and they win the titles. And, and then they kind of leave and leave Hennig and Wyndham in the ring to kind of like half swing at them with the belt. We, weird post-match. Overall, as a match, this was one loads better than last month. This was a lot of fun. I really did enjoy this match. I, I liked this match. I didn't love it. But again, way better than last month. You liked this match more than I did. Yeah. I thought this was a lot of fun. The Lumberjack stipulation was a little weird. And I've never understood in Lumberjack matches why it's like, yeah, you, you can just beat the shit of them on the outside. That's fine. Yeah. I, I mean, I understand the point of a Lumberjack match like is to keep them in the ring. Yeah, like, just toss them back in. It's not. But when, it's um, not. They, they roll to the outside. Let me just hit... 10,000 punches. Yeah, when Dean Malenko Malenko was in the fetal position out there, I'm like, this is going a little far. They were even doing it with the heels, where I'm just like, guys, you're meant to stop people from leaving. Not, you know, oh my God, this person rolled to the outside. Let's get our fucking licks in. Right. 
Which, because apparently, it was so divided... Apparently everyone in this match owes the goddamn Lumberjacks money. That's how it felt. Because because Lumberjacks were so divided heel and face, I think that that was a hindrance. You know who seemed to be having none of this? Hmm. One of the Lumberjacks? Meng. Meng did not seem to be doing shit. I, they, didn't, they didn't really close up on him at all. They, I wasn't really watching him. They did, like, once, and it was, like, meant to be a big spot, and he was doing nothing. Yeah. That said, are you going to yell at him? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. That man is terrifying. So, in the uh, category of rematches from last month, although a bit different, I won't say better. Um, we get Perry Saturn versus Chris Jericho in a dog collar match. This is another stipulation that I don't remember them setting up. Yeah, we did skip a little bit of their build, so maybe they did. I thought this was... The loser was going to have to also wear a dog collar or something. Oh, I don't yeah. know what. What a dog collar match is, is it's basically a strap match. Yeah, but around the neck. Oh, yeah. Not around the wrist. Kinky. Well, speaking of kinky, the commentary has some uh, oh, verbiage around Perry Saturn. Perry Saturn comes out in like fucking dominatrix. He comes out in like a chainmail dress to start. He has a weird new theme. It, like It is very much a alternative lifestyle kind of theme. Which, like, if that's what he wants to be, more power to him. I just would have rathered him not have neon green contacts. I thought it, oh, I was going neon yellow. I think it's neon, I think ten- it's neon tennis ball color. We'll it say. looked like a tennis ball. Yeah, I see that. As, I saw that as green. Yeah, black, black lipstick. They they flat out say what they're going for. They're like going for the Marilyn Manson crowd. Yes, and listen, if he wants to be a if he wants to be a drag queen, if he wants to wear drag and be in a dress, whatever, fine, do it. It just creeped me. Like, the, the contacts. I can get past the makeup. I can get past the dress. That's completely fine by me. Contacts the were The contacts they were, unsettling. were so unsettling. It was so creepy. I, if that was what he was going for, great. Congratulations. You succeeded. It freaked me out. Oh, and Jericho also has the uh, the shitty 8x10 yeah. uh, Titantron. But he also has the floof. He does have the floof. When Saturn's coming out, commentary notes. I think it's Tony notes. This is straight out of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> yeah. Which will likely be our uh, outro music. Let's find something for that. <laughs> so, there's a moment early on that we're a little worried about. Because it's a dog collar match, and the ref hands Jericho the dog collar. And Jericho is like, here, Ralphus, wear this. And Ralphus refuses and yeah. so they kind of he goes to leave, and Jericho like slaps him, and he's like, "Oh shit, are they breaking up?" But then after he slaps him, Ralphus gives him his mouth guard, and they seem to be kind of fine. I can't tell. That could. I don't just think been it like was a, a breakup. I, it could have been. It, it could have. I don't think it was, but it could have been. And I think this is where I also noted, like, this match is going to be fucking weird, isn't it? Uh-huh. No, I knew as soon as Perry Saturn came down in those bright green contacts that this was going to be a weird fucking match. Also, I more power to Perry Saturn for doing this whole match in the corset and the dress. Because, like, you've never worn a corset. But those things, you cannot breathe. I don't know how tight his was on him. It did seem to travel a little bit, so it must not have been that tight. But they are constricting. I've seen Pirates of the Caribbean one. Exactly. Think about Elizabeth falling over the wall because she can't breathe. Like, think about that, but like lesser, I suppose. I really don't have too much from this match. No, I, I think I'll rest for that. Interview. It's not a great match. It's really not. It was um, weird. Jericho tries to leave at one point, but 
can't go too far because of the chain. It's like he forgot and then, he was wearing a chain. Yeah, and the chain just kind of gets in the way, and it's a lot of chain-based offense, so it's yeah. not super well, interesting. It's a chain match. I mean, yeah, it's just kind of sloppy in bits. Towards the finish, Jericho takes the chain off, making the previous rounds a complete waste. Because, like, it seems like it's just attached by, like, Carabiner. I don't know. But I think of, there's a uh, episode of SmackDown where The Rock and Triple H have a Brahma bull rope match. I think it's that one where The Rock, like, takes off the rope to hit the people's elbow. And it's like, if you can just take it on and off, it entirely it, defeats it, the point of the fucking the match. Point? Then again, it's not as bad as uh, TNA did a blindfold match. And oh. they would put like, like black bags over the wrestlers' heads, oh. and they kept falling off, and they didn't tie them. And then the finish involved someone taking off the fucking blindfold, and so it was entirely pointless. Wow, that's from uh, Lockdown two thousand six, two thousand seven. <laughs> that might be in our in our pipeline of bonus episodes. Okay, it's. Such a bad show. Oh, Jesus. Also has uh, Team 3D, a.k.a. the Dudley the Boys. The Dudleys! In an electrified steel cage match. Oh, I love steel cage. I no, steel not cage. this one. No? By electrified, I mean sound effects. You can do sound effects. And acting. You like the uh, stun stick? Worse. <laughs> I want to watch it. Let's go. <laughs> we'll get... <laughs> Maybe we'll eventually do that one. So, yeah, Chris Jericho just takes the chain off Perry, hits him with it. I don't even know how, but Perry Saturn gets the pin in this. I don't know how he got there. He hits a Death Valley driver for the second time. I think we missed the first one because they said it like, the second time. I'm like, he hit the first one? Okay. I don't know. I was but, just so uh, yeah, towards the end. Saturn wins with the Death Valley driver. This wasn't a good match. No. This feud needs to end because it, it just feels like it's limping along. And I know Jericho's last TV match is coming up. Yeah. I was speaking at it. Jericho, is this his last pay-per-view match in WCW? I think so. Right. Um, so he yeah, wrestles he's... into early April on TV, and we're in mid-March. So this and... has to end, because he's leaving. Yeah, and he will randomly show up on house shows in, like, late June. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why did you take all of May off? What the fuck? He wants, it, he wants some time off. Yeah, they don't give you that at the end of your contract. You're about to have time off. Yeah, Jericho, unfortunately, is winding down. That's why I'm like, you know, maybe Ralphus is leaving, but I don't Yeah, I don't know how much of a story they're going to give it. It's very possible. We don't know that. I mean, Jericho also, at this point, per his book and Death of WCW, didn't sign his contract. He literally, I think he's working without a contract at this point. He was literally just like, how long can I wait before signing it? Yeah. And then he's like, you know what, I'm going to go. Yeah. So, yeah, another not great match. Moving on, we get a WCW.com interview with Mikey Whipwreck. He's kind of asking about his match. It's another nothing kind but he's of. he's talking so quietly. He's such a soft-spoken man in this. I don't know if it's that really or, or, or the mic just balancing Maybe. it off. I mean, I just couldn't tell WC- what WCW has a fuck ton of audio issues, so True. it might just be that. Because the other commentators we can hear fine. Him, it's like he's talking and just like the mic just cuts out. Right. Our penultimate match of the night is for the television title. It is Scott Steiner with Buff Bagwell versus Booker T. Which we talked about when this started because Booker T beat Bret Hart in a number one contenders match that I thought would be for the U.S. title because Bret Hart literally had just lost the U.S. title. Apparently, it was for the TV title. Oh, yeah, yeah. He won a number one contenders match, and I assumed it was for that. Steiner comes out with Buff Bagwell, 
who is always laughing for some reason. I don't get it. He'll be like, I'm buff and I'm the stuff. I'm like, what? what's funny? What why, the fuck is funny? Why do you hate joy? Let him be happy. No. <laughs> no. Let let Buff Bagwell be happy. Listen, he could enjoy his gigolo job he had oh, for Jesus. a while, reportedly. Allegedly. I think that's real. Allegedly. I don't think I noticed this pr- before today. Booker T is billed from being from 110th Street in Harlem, New York. I don't think I noticed that they ever gave him a street. They always said Harlem. Apparently in Harlem Heat, they were billed from 110th Street. I looked it up. I couldn't find anything super significant about 110th. Does it ex- is it a thing in, in Harlem, though? It is. So 110th is the street that apparently like touches the north end of Central Park in New York. But it is in Harlem. I was trying to find anything of like significance of like making something cool, and I I didn't find anything super notable. There was like Duke Ellington Circle as hmm. something, and like a couple of things here and there, but I couldn't find anything that is like everyone should know this. Right. I wonder if they're actually from 110th. Upon looking it up, he is apparently born in Louisiana. Oh, and Booker also has the eight by ten Titantron. Of course. Match starts and Steiner. Literally takes about two or three minutes, it feels like, and is just oh jawing God. with the crowd and stalling, keeps rolling out. And I literally thought the bell hadn't rung, but they never ring it afterwards. So I no. went, oh, I guess uh, I guess that just doesn't count. However, once they get going, I think I forget how quick Scott Steiner is. If he allows the pace to continue. Exactly. The thing is that I have, the issue that I had with this match was he left the, he left the ring so many times. That it just, like, ruined any pace and any speed that this match had building. Anytime they would get some sort of, like, rhythm up, Scott would leave the ring and it would just be broken and be done. Like, I, I really hated it. Yeah, I, we haven't watched really any of the Steiner brothers as a tag team. Like, they are quick I would, would, power I like guys. To. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll try, we'll try to find something. Like, they are actually... A large force against the NWO when yeah. NWO first come in. Like, they feud with Hall and Nash over the tag titles. Okay. Yeah, it just felt like the momentum really didn't have a chance to build up in this match. Oh, relatedly to the uh, Steiner brothers. Mm-hmm. I remember we were looking up something that was, like, best win rates on pay-per-view. And, like, Rick Steiner was, like, in the oh, top yeah. five. Remember that? Yes, I do. It was like, what? What? He's also in the top five for best Shoney's owners in the country. We'll have to look up where that is. If we do a road trip, we'll oh, have to swing by that. we're absolutely going to that Shoney's. The issue is, when when they give you the bill, the math on it is crazy. <laughs> you have 133.3 chance of tipping. but So during the match, Buff Bagwell yells the ref and is like, check Booker's gloves. Yeah. So then the ref does, and in the middle of it, Scott Sheep shots him, which... I saw it coming a mile away. Oh, 100%. I don't know why that's allowed, but the ref is also a little lenient in some portions of this. Because Booker goes for the pin, and Buff Bagwell just pulls him out of the ring and attacks him. Yeah. Which is my bad call of the night. I was going to say, like, that's actually, a DQ, right? I, actually, I don't know. That That's tied for my bad call of the night. That, that was my bad that's call. That's my um, non-story-related bad call of the night. I think we have our other bad call of the night, but it's story-related. Anyway, we'll and get there. So Booker then fights him off, which is where I'm like, okay, is it because it's uncensored? 
Or is it because Scott Steiner has been recently attacking this ref and Steiner can't lose the belt by DQ? So it's like, you know what? I'm going to let it go and see what yeah. happens. Because if, if Booker loses or wins by DQ, he doesn't win the belt. So right. it might be that kind of discretion or just, you know, what's a DQ? We don't know her in WCW. So Booker goes up top, but Buff crotches him and Steiner hits superplex. They've been usually happening a lot. So I was happy that like one match did it and that's it. Right. Buff Bagwell then comes in with a chair as Scott Steiner holds him up to get hit. To which you called this ex- like, as soon as like, well, he came Well, it's the in one the thing they didn't want to happen. Of course. As Booker T ducks, Buff hits Scott. Booker then takes out Buff and... Pin Scott. One, two, three. New television champion. Booker Booker T. T. Which I thought was a big moment until he went six times. And I went, oh. Oh, I didn't realize that. (laughs) Yeah, he went in six times. I went, oh, that's a little less of a... That's as much of a big deal as... I guess we didn't see the start of the Booker T singles push. I guess not. But it's one of those, it feels like he's still moving up the card. So I was like, this is a big deal. And then it's like six times. And I'm like, oh, oh maybe you're plateauing. not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh. I didn't realize that. That said, quality of the match? It was fine. Yeah, it was a pretty good match. I just, I hated the cuts and momentum. Yeah. Once, like, once they were going, they worked well together. This is a match we will see a lot in the final months of WCW. Yeah. These two actually wrestle for the title on the final Nitro. Oh. About halfway through the card. Well, Sure. Yeah, I thought these guys worked pretty well together. I agree with you that the constant stopping hurt yeah. the pace of it. Yeah. I just want Buff to go away. He has I don't know he... what's up with his... He does it during his entrance. The dancing of the... Jotting each leg back and doing the arm swing, the... Oh, I don't know what that is. I yeah, uh, I don't know. Oh, he's I also wish wearing a video an... podcast that everyone could see the move that you just did. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see these guys probably a couple times, considering I also assume Steiner gets a uh, a rematch. Probably. But we get one final thing of cage hype, which I don't know whether or not it was the same as uh, any of the other ones. I they, have all no looked, idea. they all looked yeah, really they similar. Really did. But it is time for our main event. Get ready for a fucking mouthful, as this match is for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. It is Hollywood Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair in a barbed wire steel cage first blood match where if Ric wins, he wins the title and becomes WCW president for life. But if Hogan wins, he retains and Ric leaves WCW forever. You got all that? Got it. (laughs) It's Michael Buffer time. He also says all that shit and you can tell (sighs) he's like... He is reading his card intently. <laughs> they are lucky that man is not paid by the word. So we should take this time to talk about a new cocktail that Nick found a couple weeks back now. I found it a while ago, but I didn't make it until recently. So it is called a Ric Flair. Couldn't tell you why it's called a Ric Flair, but I don't it's know. quite tasty. It is basically a gin and juice with some tonic. Or, or is, a gin and tonic with some juice. Right. It is gin, grapefruit juice, tonic water. And a splash of simple syrup, if you want it. We've had it both ways, and it's delicious both ways. But it's equal parts of each with a splash of the simple syrup. So 
refreshing and sweet and summery and so good. And I have one of these while we're watching this match and it made it better. And we have not actually tried this, but if you are drinking it during a Ric Flair match and he blades, feel free to just dump some some grenadine on the top. (laughs) Yeah, we had that idea as this was happening. Just like a little splash of grenadine. Give it a little color. So. A little excitement. I feel the need to note, we did not feel the need to do Time to Blade. Because it's a first blood match, and you would think that if there is a first blood match stipulation, they wouldn't be blading, because if they bladed, they'd lose. Yes. You'd think! And Rick actually grabs the mic and, like, tells the referee, like, hey, don't fucking stop it if, like, there's a little cut on my arm, or, like, Hogan gets a nosebleed. It's, like, it's your discretion, like, stop it when, you know, somebody gets basically busted open. So when It's he- your discretion. When he said that, when Ric Flair said those, like, qualifications, immediately in my head, I was thinking, oh, Ric Flair's saying this because he wants to blade. But you immediately came out and were like, oh, I'm glad they're saying this because there was something that happened in WWF where first blood match ended early with Steve Austin or something along those lines. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's not a selfish act. Maybe he's doing this for real to be like, we're better than WWF, whatever. I was wrong. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, was, know or I, was right. I was. I don't know if it was better than WWF. It was more like there have been first blood matches in WWF where like Austin gets a cut in his back and the audience is freaking out and the match doesn't end because because they don't note it in the announcement. The commentary notes it, but the people in attendance don't hear commentary. Right. Don't end it over some bullshit. Just. But it turns out that my initial guess was correct. He was doing that so that he could qualify blading. And we should have done time to blade. <laughs> However, before that, Ric Flair comes out in a snazzy robe, and it's time for... Who's That Pokemon? So Rick comes out in this kind of red-orange robe with a lot of gold trim and a little bit of silver trim. Emily, who do you got? I got Charmeleon. Charmeleon? Yes. Because I wanted the red-orange of Charmeleon to match the red-orange of his robe. I'm not so sure, because there's not as much gold on Charmeleon. There's enough yellow. Like we've, we've had this issue before of, like, gold. There aren't gold Pokemon, so you have to go with yellow. Charmeleon doesn't have much yellow. Yeah, he though. does. He has it, like, in his, in his face. Like, yeah, he does. So as we did this, I immediately knew who I was going to pick. And it is Ho-Oh. Especially because he is the mascot of Pokemon Gold. I think that also played in my head a little bit. But he has the... Red, the silver, the gold. I think it works great. I don't see it. see it way more than Charmeleon. I see Charmeleon more than that. Charmeleon doesn't have any yellow. Charmeleon has the yellow of the fire in his tail. I think we both disagree with each other, so I don't know if we're going to find a uh, middle one here. I don't think we need to. Honorable mention to um, Cast Form's Sunny Day Form, which is a real niche one. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, I know. Oh, we did not mention uh, during the promo where Flair is telling the ref to just, you know, your, you know, use your discretion. He kind of heals it up on one guy in the crowd. Like he eggs him on a little bit yeah. in a very heelish fashion. Because that heel turn has not been cemented, I don't want to say, yet. No, but it's been toyed with. Yeah. I mean, literally, it was like out of kind of nowhere on the like, final, you, on the go-home Nitro. Would you say that Hogan is the face in this? No, they have That's done the thing. They have done no work for that. Right. However, at the start of this match, there are some Hogan chants. Yeah, which is weird. Especially after watching WrestleMania 37, where everyone's booing Hogan. Oh, People yeah. cheering Hogan. Strange. 
How did you feel about the cage lowering music? I didn't notice it as much as you did. It was not the uh, Metallica song from um, WrestleMania 28. I, I just didn't really take note of music when it was lowering. Because I think the commentary was talking, you were talking, like, I just didn't well, hear it. Well, notably, when the cage is lowering, commentary, something decides to mention, oh, referee Charles Robinson is really excited to do this one. He's been a Ric Flair fan his whole life growing up in Charlotte. And I'm like, it's weird that you're talking about the ref this much. Also around this time, Bobby Heenan mentions that, like, oh, you know, because the first blood, there's going to be a lot of blood, which really... There is the potential for less blood than a regular match. Yeah. Because... It's a first blood match. Yeah, because normally only one person can bleed. Yes. And he's like, it's going to look like St. Valentine's Day Massacre out here. Which was the most recent WWF pay-per-view? <laughs> and I was like, Bobby, do not mention that. <laughs> do you think that was intentional? No, I don't think you thought about it. That pay-per-view is also where the giant, a.k.a. the big show... Debuts. Debuts in WWF. Huh. Costing Vince McMahon a cage match by throwing Steve Austin around the cage so violently that I didn't even connect that. That the main event of that pay-per-view is a cage match. match. (laughs) But yeah, he throws Austin so hard into the one side of the cage that the cage like swings open and Austin wins. (laughs) And they keep Big Show on for so long. So let's get into this match as neither of these men wrestle in the first half like heels or faces. And I should note that that's kind of just a trend in both of their careers of w- even when both of them are faces, they do heel move. So it's just how the crowd reacts to it. Hmm. Like Hogan as a face does fucking biting and eye rakes and yeah, back rakes. That's why, that, you, I, you wonder why I have such a hard time figuring out heels and faces. I present to you WCW. So Hogan puts on a strange figure four at one point. I don't think it's right, but it doesn't look bad. We even, like, doubled back on this one because you're like, he got into that figure four really fast. Yeah. That can't be right. It looks, yeah, it looks fine enough. Right. It doesn't look wrong, per se. So, Flair gets tossed into the cage. And all of a sudden, it's like, down on the ground and touching his forehead. And then they go into the corner and Hogan's biting his forehead. And all of a sudden, Ric Flair is bleeding. When he was, like, on his face touching his forehead, we were like... It looks like he's blading. He's not yeah. blading. If he blades, he loses. So we're like, yeah, that he that's just coincidence. He's not. And then he comes up and he's covered in fucking blood. And they don't call it. Well, commentary's like, oh, is that like an incidental cut? And then he is gushing blood out of that fucking cut. Gushing. He is like bleeding everywhere. And I'm like, this match is still going. Oh, he also gets his ass out after he tries to escape the cage. I guess over the barbed wire. Neither of them get far enough no. to really find out what the fuck would happen. No. So I did note after um, Ric Flair blades commentaries note. So they they ask like, was that an incidental cut? And then somebody else says, who knows? I mean, it is a first blood match. And I think as Tony Schiavone goes, well, let's just forget about that then. <laughs> I think that's a little later, but I do. They remember say it saying, twice. Yeah, because. Eventually, Hogan blades, and they're like, well, we guess we can just forget about the fucking first blood yeah, match. Yeah, this clearly isn't a thing anymore. So, yeah, there's more Hogan chants. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, this is where commentary gets just confused. Like, why the fuck is this match still going? Hogan then hits a leg drop and is like, guess you need to fucking pin the guy, and the ref doesn't count. 
And it's like, nope, I'm ref- like, it's like I'm refusing to count. This is the first point where it's like, oh, the ref is corrupt. Yeah, Got it's it. like, oh, they're doing a double turn yes. here. Flair then grabs the taped brass knuckles. I don't know what it's supposed to be. This just keeps being this like tape knuckle thing they keep using. Yeah, because it's not a brass knuckle. Just use the brass. I don't know why they don't. I don't know. He also felt the need to hide it beforehand and then hide it in his, his in, in his boot in his boot or knee pad. One, it is a steel cage match. Two, you clearly have the ref in your pocket. Why are you hiding it? Yeah, he does this again later with a weapon. A bit. The ref gets bumped for some fucking reason for that. Yeah, Flair then throws Hogan into the cage, and then Hogan blades. So so they're both bloody now. They're both bloody. David Flair and Tori come down, which for some reason you thought it wasn't Tori Wilson. Yeah, it didn't look like Tori. It was her. It just looked like generic blonde woman. There are more and growing Hulk Hogan chants. This this is just a mess. And I noted the match is going too long because you have this. This twist comes halfway through the match. It's like, guys, the twist is supposed to happen at the finish, not yeah. halfway through. Yeah. Hogan hulks up and the crowd starts going wild. But I guess Hogan's now a face. I Yes. We'll see what happens on Nitro, but I'm like, oh, God, face Hulk Hogan. We don't need that. I know. All the while, David and Tori on the side, like, go Hollywood. Get him, Hollywood. Tell him what's up. So after hulking up, he hits a leg drop, and the ref is like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to count. And then finally does, and, like, Rick kicks out, like, on, the, on the two count, basically. Yeah. Flair then begs off, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is definitely a fucking double turn. Yeah. David David Flair then has some lovely advice for Hulk Hogan. Hulk up, Hogan! You gotta Hulk up. Yeah, just Hulk up. Just he already Hulked up. It's like this is Hulked up Hogan. It's like I don't know if it's actually real commentary or video game commentary, where it's like whichever one of these guys hits their finisher first is going home a champion. Champion. So. Flair then low blows Hogan and Arn Anderson comes down and oh just boy. randomly attacks David Flair for no reason. David's just sitting on the outside watching. Tori then jumps on his back and Arn manages to like shake her off without doing anything super violent. Yeah, he just kind of like shimmies her off. He then She's small. he then gives Rick the tire Arn. The tire Arn. Rick then hits Hogan and locks in the figure four. Hogan is passed out, so his shoulder's down. Yeah. The ref then fast counts him, even though Hogan is knocked out and literally like, doesn't move. Cold. So it's like, yeah, why did you do the fast count? Because he didn't. It's not like he kicked out after going, what the fuck, brother? It's like, nope, he's knocked the fuck out. It's like, just so you know, these guys are heal. And Flair gets the win. And he's Flair is the new champion, life. president for life, 14 time world champion, and. He just kind of vanishes, and David gets in the ring and, like, tries to help Hogan up. His commentary is plugging Nitro, and then they just go off the air. Really fast. This was almost entertaining in how baffling it was. It was baffling. But this was I a, enjoyed it. This was a mess. It was a mess, but this I This was a, a bad match. mess, because, like, the Ravens rules match was a mess, but was fun. This went into absurdism of we're just ignoring. I feel like we understated the fact that how much Flair was bleeding throughout all oh my this. God, his a first face. blood match ended in a pinfall. Yeah. Like. What? Ended in a pinfall where both men were covered in blood. We should have known, though. Like, we should have known that a match between Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair 
There wasn't going to be no blading. Come on. Did you know there is a match type in TNA where you actually have to be bleeding to be able to be pinned? No. I don't know if Ric Flair ever wrestled one of those. I've never watched a minute of TNA. I know. We need to watch a little bit of it. Someday. But this match, I think, was better than last month's. It was more entertaining, but yeah, it yeah. was an absolute mess. I have no desire to see these guys wrestle again. I'm I'm over this feud. See, like, going into this match, I was not excited to see Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan. It was fun going I, in with zero I remember you mentioning like you somehow that. wanted both of them to lose, yeah. which, in a way, they did, because they both bled during a first blood match. Realistically, Flair lost. Like, he bled first. It's a first blood match. He bled first. He lost. But that is uncensored. Finally. Yeah, we After finally two months. Yeah, seriously. Thoughts of the pay-per-view as a whole? Eh, it was it was fine. There were a good handful of good bits, a couple medium bits. It was and, pretty lackluster. Yeah, like minus the Jerry Flynn match and I guess the uh, Stevie Ray and Vincent match. There was there was nothing offensive on this match. No, no, no. no. There, there were a couple things that were boring and. The main event is just such a weird trip yeah. that I don't know if I'd recommend it, but it's just like a what it What's it is happening? five minutes of wrestling and then I how however much left of what the fuck is going yeah. on? That's accurate. Literally, with no build, Hulk Hogan is somehow a face. Yeah, I'm like, what? I don't get it. Remember, and you give me shit for not understanding faces and heels. Explain it to me. Remember when he was running for president like two months ago? Two months ago! It's March! Yep. Oh, God. All right. Best bit and MVP. Best bit? Okay, so I was torn, but I think I gave... I think I'm giving my best bit to the opening match. Yeah, I I agree. I think that was... The debut was... It was a good debut. Best match. Yeah, I... and I love a cruiserweight. So like, yeah, I think by far it was the best match. I mean, I, I mean, Bret, Bret Hart agrees. Best match. True. I mean, honorable mention, the Ravens rules match. I thought the, that was such yeah, a fun the match. first 95% of that match. It and then fun. it just, yeah. And then I don't think this will be a surprise to you. My MVP. MVP. Arn Anderson and his tire arm. I don't think that was a surprise. Come on. <laughs> that man made two showings in this pay-per-view with the tire arm and knocked out of the park in both. <laughs> I gave my MVP to uh, Mikey Whipwreck. Fair. I honestly, granted he lost, but still a good match. I would almost compare that match to the uh, Bianca Belair Sasha Banks match. Really? Of this is clearly a showcase for one of these people. Fair. However, in this one, the person lost. I mean, the Sasha Bianca match is significantly better than this. Than I don't know if I'd say significantly. Oh, I, I, I would. I really like that match. So. I really like the Sasha Bianca match. Yeah. However, Mikey Wilbrek looked great, and unfortunately, it sounds like nothing's going to happen with yeah, him. We'll see. Maybe he'll turn up in ECW and can do something fun down the stretch. We'll see. Because we do have more CW shows coming up, but... um. Yeah, that's that's all for Uncensored 1999. It took so long to get through this build, but it's done. So how's it feel being back in the WCW waters? You know, I did kind of miss watching it, watching like wrestling because we don't have we don't have SmackDown. We don't really have a whole lot that we're watching on the current day. So like, it's nice to sit down and watch stuff. It's been a while. 
I feel more alive than I did after Super Bowl. Yeah. Which is nice. But, uh, yeah, Ric Flair is now president for life. Whatever that means. And he's now a heel. And we'll see how that ties in. I know I know there's a crazy thing with him and Roddy Piper coming up. We'll see when it happens. We're on the road to Spring Stampede. Woohoo! Next up, first regular weekly Nitro. We're... I'm excited. I don't know if I'm excited. I think I'm excited. We'll see. We'll, we'll get to figure out who is Jerry Flynn. Please. Please tell me. You didn't see Van Hammer in all of his glory. Mm. There's, there's no skipping. No, we have to watch every match. Oh, man. While you're waiting for that, subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. And follow us on Twitter at Butts in the Pod. Well, with that, I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And thanks for listening to the Butts in the Seats podcast. Bye.